Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Your Money FM 89.3, I'm Clarissa Montero for the workday afternoon. This is the soul of business. On the phone with me today, Keith Sue and Mohammed Rizwan, joint managing partners of Emerald Law. We're talking about domestic violence, family law today. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. All right, now let's get right into it. What kind of domestic abuse and family issues have emerged as a direct result of COVID-19? During COVID, there was a 22% increase compared to an average of uh, 389 monthly cases before the circuit breaker. Mm -hmm. So quite a number of people actually started facing a lot of pressure because they are at home with probably people whom they have had a lot of problem and tension with from before. So these kind of situations have actually led to a lot of complaints on domestic violence. We must also understand beforehand that family violence is not only, you know, someone who is beaten up by his or her spouse or family member, but family violence can also include harassment, threats, any imminent, any, uh, you know, wrongful confinement, so on and so forth. So from our personal experience, the kind of cases that uh, we hear and we talk about, we don't see much of a difference in the type of domestic violence mm-hmm. that people are complaining about. However, definitely, yes, I would agree with the newspaper report that there have been an increase in the number of cases. And I think probably one of the major primary reasons for this uh, increase would be two people being put together in a small you see. And they can't go out, they can't go and, you know, live in alternate alternative accommodations or just book a hotel room or something. So I think that could be some of the reasons why there was an increase here. I'm actually curious, um, as, as an aside to what you just said, okay, there was a, a definite increase. You saw the increase in... Yeah domestic violence and family abuse and what have you, what what the different kinds may be being secondary to the question. Was it really a case of two people not getting along but having to be in a space over a prolonged period of time? Or was it two people who used to get along you know, perfectly well in in their lives, but because of the additional pressures of threats to their jobs and their livelihoods or, you know, the, the additional pressures that COVID-19 placed on all of us. Did that bring about some of the violence that maybe that couple didn't have in their relationship beforehand? All right. So, so perhaps I share from some of the cases that we have handled. Sometimes, and it's just sometimes, because each divorce case or domestic violence case is normally very unique and more often than not, when there is a domestic violence case, there's always an accompanying divorce case. Mm-hmm. So it's not always necessary, but most of the times that's what happens. So I think what could have happened is that normally what people would do, okay, if I'm planning to divorce my spouse, I try and find alternative accommodation right. if the situation is not good at home. And then I file my papers first and then I plan whether I'm going to leave by myself or whether I'm going to bring my children. So there are a lot of these kind of issues. What happens is that probably Circuit Breaker put an entire full stop on all their plans. Right. So that's a huge wall and they now have to climb over it. So 
So uh, perhaps they they filed an application or took out. Like let's take a Muslim divorce for example. Say someone went and filed a registration at the Sharia court and they are waiting for their counselling letter. And the counselling form comes to them and just one two days later, it's circuit breaker. There is uh, you know they have thrown a spanner in the work. You see. So then they don't know what to do. Now my husband or my wife knows that I'm filing a divorce. I'm mm. in the midst of court proceedings, and suddenly I'm stuck with them. I can't go and talk to my friends. You know, sometimes colleagues play an equally important role as family members. Many colleagues look at themselves as family members because they spend the whole day together at office. So they don't have their colleagues. They don't have their parents. They don't have their siblings. And now they are stuck at home thinking, what should I do? So perhaps I think that might have been uh, one reason that may maybe increase the amount because then they find themselves in the situation, they don't know what to do. One party probably tries to blame the other party for causing, uh, for filing the application, or one party tries and keeps on saying, "I'm sorry, let 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 let's get back together," and all this increases pressure. You see. Personally, personally, what I would tell, uh, what people would tell us, if you are angry, try to change topic or go down for a walk or or just go somewhere else until you cool down. But that situation where you are stuck at home, perhaps the only time you can go down is just go to the supermarket for a while and then come back up to your house. You see, there's not really much you can do. Go to McVitie for a walk or something. Right. Yeah. Mm. Okay, now as a matter of law, what kind of provisions and protections are available to someone facing domestic violence or or abuse? First things first is a personal protection order. So you you would go to the court and apply for it. And then an accompanying order could also be a domestic exclusion order once you obtain the personal protection order. So first, let's look at a personal protection order. When someone goes there and makes a complaint, Sometimes if it's serious enough, there can be an expedited order. An expedited order is basically a temporary order to protect people until the PPO hearing uh, is uh, adjudicated by the court. So uh, this is one kind of uh, the main thing, the main uh, relief that the court actually provides. There are different kinds of PPOs, like a limited, a limited time PPO where. People apply for PPO and court says, okay, I'll give you a PPO probably for one year until your divorce proceeding is over. Because each case is very unique, you see. And, and PPO is unlike, uh, I think you would say in every area of law, you have, you know, each case turns on its own facts. However, when it comes to domestic violence, it's really, really fact-specific. Sometimes one situation, one situation of family violence can actually lead to an order being made against the person and sometimes multiple incidences also don't result in the court making an order because the court is not just going to decide has there been family violence the court is going to look at two limbs the first limb being was there family violence was family violence committed and the second limb being is it necessary then for the court to make an order for a ppo so we have to look at the specific uh, circumstances there are cases i have done where there have been violence for a certain time, for maybe six or seven months. And thereafter, parties started living separately for six, for another six months. And then six months later, a PPO application is taken out by either spouse. So, and they have no children. Whether parties have children or not, 
plays a very big part in deciding whether the court will make a PPO order, regardless of whether or not there has been family violence. So it's, it's very specific. We have to look at two limbs. Uh, based on my experience, when I speak to people, sometimes people do not have, uh, the, the layman don't, doesn't have a common understanding as to what is family violence. They think family violence just means, oh, my spouse likes to shout at me, and that is family violence. Yes, shouting maybe can be can affect some people in a very negative way, and we must empathize uh, with, with this uh, category of people because different people react to different things in a different manner. Sometimes if you keep shouting at someone on a daily basis, it may affect the person quite a lot, and we empathize with that situation. However, we need to go back to the woman's charter and look at what what is family violence and how do you fit in that specific uh, fact scenario into the act. Right. Okay. We're speaking with Keith Su and Mohammed Rizwan, ma- ma- joint managing partners at Emerald's Law. Now, I understand that Emerald Law is trying to help some families who are now in this position but have the additional burden of perhaps financial vulnerability. Could you tell us more about what you're doing? All right. So like many law firms, at the end of the day, we are also professionals. And, and I, w- I would like to say probably law is a noble profession. We try to do our level best to help as many people as we can. Uh, people have always had financial difficulties. It's not, COVID-19 has simply exacerbated the situation, but people have always had financial difficulties. So uh, some of the things that we can we have done to assist people is that maybe to point people in a, in a certain right direction, we say, okay, uh, if you want to take up our services, let's look at how we can, uh, you know, come up to mutually, uh, 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 mutually we, we can mutually agree the uh, in regard to the fees, however, we can't talk about fees here on, on sure, radio. Sure. So some people totally cannot afford lawyers at all. So what we try to do is, where possible, where we are, where we are able to, obviously, we try to do some form of pro bono. Mm-hmm. However, is where we do not have the manpower to do so, we direct them in, in to, for example, legal aid, law society, pro bono division, and all that to to tell people where they can get help from. Uh, but maybe we can share one scenario where we have uh, assisted a big case one. Sure. Yeah, so aside from helping people who are experiencing family violence, we also help people in, in other sorts of circumstances. Sometimes families may be cash-strapped because an, an accident took place overseas. You know, we had a situation where someone went overseas or uh, unfortunately wasn't covered by, by insurance. Mm-hmm. Related to file a deputy application, and that process is quite long, quite expensive. But you know, we we saw that this person needed help, so of course we we came up with a, 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 a suitable arrangement to help this person out. So of course we we do our best to to help people in in their, you know in their vulnerable state. Right. Okay. Now, circuit breaker measures are continuing to be eased. More people are returning to work. In fact, as of today, more people are going back to work with uh, staggered hours and what have you. Do you think at that point, some of the rise in domestic violence cases will taper off a bit? Personally, I think domestic violence, the only way for it to taper off would be to educate and raise awareness. I think we need to tell people what is family violence and uh, what, what kind of situations you don't 
you don't uh, in what kind of situations you need to go to the police and what kind of situations you don't have to because the job of the police force is to tackle crime. However, it's, it will be very difficult if we were to burden the, 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 the police to just take down police reports after police reports when it, these are matters of, uh, you know, domestic issues. I won't say domestic violence, but domestic issues. So we need to educate and raise awareness. I think that is being done by a number of agencies, not just uh, law firms working together with law society, but also uh, NGOs. So we try to raise awareness. But I think that as we slowly ease into phase three, I'm personally hoping for phase three to come very soon, safe nation. So I think that if we are, if this happens and people can seek alternative accommodation, I do believe that there is, there is some provision to say that parties can have an arrangement to live with another person in another household now. So if parties are able to do that, it can definitely lower the tension. It will not make people feel that they are uh, sort of confined within a, within a certain space to live with a certain person they don't like. I think what we must also remember is that domestic violence is not just against between spouses, but also between siblings, between in-laws. So we don't just handle uh, cases husband versus wife or wife versus husband. It can also be... It can also be son-in-law versus mother-in-law, daughter-in-law versus uh, father-in-law, in these kind of situations as well. So it, 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 it's very fluid. Okay, um, which raises an interesting question for me, and, and you gentlemen both raised it earlier in the conversation. Some people don't understand what constitutes family violence. Now, if, if there is a woman who is listening, or even a man, at that point, because there are men who do get abused by their spouses. Where can they go for that definition? The Women's Charter does protect women, but where do they go for the information so they know when it is time to call the police and when it is not? Okay, that, that, that's a good question. I think the Women's Charter also protects men. Okay. So where, the, where men are also facing situations of domestic violence where they are being uh, by a family member, be it their wife, be it their in-laws, be it their own parents or own siblings, they can refer to the Women's Charter, section, section 64, sorry, gives the definition of what is family violence. So it says family violence means the commission of any of the following acts, willfully knowing or knowingly placing or attempting to place a family member in fear of her causing her to a family member, I'm just summarizing so as to not take up too much of time, Mm -hmm. wrongfully confining or restraining a family member against his or her will, or causing continual harassment with intent to cause or knowing that it is likely to cause anguish. So obviously, a layman might find it a little bit difficult to understand whether the incidences that he has suffered, he or she has suffered, does it fit into that category? Because one might say, my spouse or my or who, my family member harasses me by calling me 40 over times within the within a time span of three to four hours. Is that harassment? Well, that may be considered harassment. However, we need to look at the specific scenarios whether it it it, it falls under family violence because fa- under family violence is not just harassment; it's continual harassment, and then with intent or knowing that it will cause anguish. So there are a few limbs here already. There are probably three limbs under one category. So we need to know how to fit all of that. 
into one. Also, when, when you want to know whether you go to the family court for a PPO or whether you go to the civil courts for a POHA under Prevention of Harassment Act, they have actually stated here that family member, what does a family member mean? A spouse or former spouse, child, including adopted child or stepchild, father or mother, father-in-law, mother-in-law, brother or sister, any relative of the person. So it's quite a large category, actually. All right, gentlemen, we're out of time, but very quickly, if a person is uh, facing some of these issues, family violence, family domestic violence, and they feel they need the uh, advice of a lawyer, uh, you know, where do they go to find a lawyer? Is there a directory or something that they can look up a lawyer they might be able to contact? I think the most popular mode of searching for anything today would be Google. Mm-hmm. So I think they can search on Google, they can go uh, to Law Society's uh, directory page to look for law firms, they can read up articles online. I think a number of law firms, including ours, have actually uh, written articles on PPO and all. Then they can get the information and they can choose who they are most comfortable with. They can also go for to, to certain NGOs and try and get some counselling. I would say, you know, party should... Not everyone immediately jumps to lawyers. People normally try and see if they can settle the matter by themselves. For some people, it may not be possible, so they have to immediately take up court action. I will always say the first step, let's try to see if we can resolve matters amicably. That's always step one before taking any matter to court. But obviously, each case is unique. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. We've been speaking with Keith Su and Mohammad Rizwan, Joint Managing Partners of Emerald Law. Gentlemen, thank, thank you for the time. Thank you, Clarissa. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.